Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. Hi guys, I know what you're thinking. You're like, wow, again? That never happens. I often like, I think I speak maybe once every couple of months, if that. So if you're new here, I'm not a regular, (laughs) but I'm here. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to speak on this topic because I'm really passionate about it. And I believe he is as well because it's his nature. Um, And so the last service was a lot. It was emotional. And I already feel kind of like, how can we do this again? But the Lord will show up. And, right, Lord? (laughs) Just kidding. The Lord's going to show up, and I'm not going to force anything. And if he moves again in certain ways, then so be it. Um, I wanted to start off with a little bit of my story. David's story is very different than mine. We all know that. We have it memorized. I have it memorized, his story, his testimony, memorized. And still trying to figure out the whole Grateful Dead thing. Still trying to understand. But <laughs> I like country. <laughs> it's so funny. Whereas like opposites as opposites could be. But anyway, I, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of my story. Because um, it goes with the context of the message. When I was in my early 20s, I believe, it's all a blur when you're starting to get closer to 40. It's like, wait, what? When did that happen? What year was this? So I was trying to reflect back on when this happened, but I believe, so I, I was in high school, then I went to Bible college for a year, and then after Bible college, I refer to this season of life as my phase, my phase of discovering that the Lord really was real, and I needed to follow Him. <laughs> so I ventured out. And my phase, unlike David's entire lifespan until he was 20, was a short phase of country dancing on the weekends, really bad choices in boys and alcohol. So that was a short phase. And then I started feeling the Lord calling me back into church. So I had slipped away for a couple years, I believe. And now it's coming to me. I was 21. So I turned 21 and thought I would try to experience that world, and it had nothing to offer, in case you're curious. <laughs> and um, so then I started coming back to church, and at that time, the church was really small, and they had just hired a campus pastor that I was curious about, but not interested in. <laughs> it was him. And, um, and at the beginning, there were, we weren't dating, and he... I knew there was interest, but I like was 21 and I was coming out of my phase. And anyway, all that to say, I started feeling, um, I started noticing as this is pretty typical in churches, but I don't want it to be typical here anymore. I started noticing the lack um, of teachers and the need in the kids department. So I happened to be going to school at the time to be a, um, a teacher And I knew I had something to offer, and I just saw a need. So I started just volunteering once a month. And then, of course, you know how it goes. (laughs) I ended up volunteering more than once a month. But I ended up loving it, like loving being with the kids, and I received so much. And, yes, I missed out on a lot of 
services, but I never missed out on filling the Lord. The Lord didn't ever um, skip over me that day when I was serving. It was actually the quite opposite. So, um, and then over time, it's all a blur as far as exact timelines, but eventually I was asked to be the children's director because I was found really faithful and I did a great job at it. And so I believe it was a good two years that I served as the children's director with not a single ounce of pay. (laughs) And I did not ask for pay, nor did I even feel like it was a big deal. But it was time consuming. If you know anything about ministry or children in general, both are very time consuming. (laughs) And so, but I was in my early 20s, didn't have children, wasn't like dating or um, in in married yet. So it was a good season. I had, like, if you're a young adult and you think you're busy, <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm just going to move on. Okay. So <laughs> I, I remember thinking I was so busy, so busy with school. Um, so until you have children, um, anyway, I had a lot of time, more time on my hands, and I actually was teaching, at one, at one period I was teaching kindergarten, because I ended up getting my degree, I worked as a children's director the whole time, and then um, um, I ended up working all together, it was seven years of being in the kids' ministry, so for the first two, there was no pay, and then I moved into the, the latter three years, and then I started getting paid, but it was a smaller church, and getting paid really um, covered <laughs> some things, like gas and um, <laughs> things like that. So it was not like I was like getting rich from this job, but my heart was in it, and so at one point, I ended up graduating, and then I started teaching, and I was teaching all day, getting my master's in the evening, and being the children's director, um, and it really was a crazy season, but... In so many ways, um, the Lord showed up. I was being developed. I learned so much about ministry, about children. I grew in my gifting. I grew in my love for children and the um, the teachers and the, the parents that were teaching. And um, I remember getting to take them to camp and getting to see them get their prayer language. Um, it was just so rewarding in those ways. But kids' ministry is not always rewarding. We all know. The kids are thinking about themselves. They need a snack. They need a snack a lot. And they're just, it's not like you get immediate gratification (laughs) if that's what you're looking for. But um, I, I say all that to say, not to like build myself up and say, look at me, but just to show how I, I really feel like right now in the season I am and for the last several years, I have been receiving, reaping from all of those years I sowed. Um, I, there's the principle, the, it's a biblical principle to sow and then you reap a harvest. But a lot of times we think of that as just financially. If we just give our money to the church and just check out the box and come to church, That's not at all what the Lord is referring to. 
I believe the Lord saw my heart and he honored my heart and my work. I worked really hard. And I remember coming up on the weekends. I remember at home making things all the time, preparing. I just remember being in the back. I remember for years, people didn't even know I was the children's director. I never, I never once got recognized. I, it wasn't a thing. Um, it, it just, but it wasn't my desire either. But I'm just saying, it, it was a hidden season, but it really, really was a season of sowing, and I wasn't even aware of how much I was sowing into my future. I was sowing into my kids' future, because if you're a young adult, the best thing you could possibly do if you ever plan on getting married and having kids is sow into other people's children. I know, it's really quiet. <laughs> the young adults are like, eh. Um, and if you, and if you want children, there's that, you know, I mean, you need to sow. It's not about doing it for the reward. It's doing it with the right heart and the Lord sees it and he honors it. He honors your faithfulness. And I've always believed in this. I've seen this happen. So like with my kids, you could say it's because we're, uh, we're pastors, but I've never lacked on finding someone that wanted to watch my kids or to help us. Um, it's, it's, they're taken care of. They're well-loved. In fact, people ask for my kids, specifically Cadence, because Zion's a lot more of a challenge. They're like, can we take Cadence? No, what? well, Zion, like, Zion's right here. Can we take Cadence for the day? Um, but uh, I've never lacked for my kids to be loved on and cared for. And I really, truly believe it's because of all those years that I loved on other people's kids with no intention of getting anything in return and with a pure heart. They're, they're so, so cute. And we all know what the Lord says about the least of these. The children are the least of these. You're not going to get an instant reward. This is not a pitch for kids ministry, although that would be really great. <laughs> it's just really, this can apply to any area of your life, okay? It's just, it's just my story, so I hope that you can apply it in different areas. But I really believe that when you build God's house, he will build your house. I've seen that in so many ways. Um, in recent, like we've been at our house like a year and a half. If you follow me on social media, you'll see that I am in heaven. It's like my heaven on earth. I live with the animals. I like to be out with the animals. I don't live with them, but I like to be with them. And um, it's a blessing. My house is a, just a direct blessing from the Lord. And it's nothing I could have made happen. It's nothing we were rich enough to afford. It was completely the favor of the Lord. Um, and it's not about the stuff. And we'll get more into that. I was never ever do. I was never in a season of hidden um, serving, thinking of of what I'm going to get. But I see it now. The Lord shows me now, like in the fact that we are, of course, we're not rich. Of course, we could always make more money and we could, that would be great. But I'm also not lacking. I'm not lacking because I can order from Amazon very often. And I was so happy that David was out of town this last weekend because I had quite a few packages coming. And I was really thinking like, that would be great if he wasn't here. So I was like, kids, 
get the dolly. I'm not kidding. We have a dolly because it's a long driveway and so I can't carry them all. And so they're like, we'll get the pack. It's a game, like get the packages. I was like, thank God he's gone. So anyway, I love Amazon and um, packages. Every time they come, David's like, Amber, Amber, that's quite a few. What are you doing? I'm like, it's for the children. (laughs) It really is usually for the children or the animals. Um, So I say all of that to say, um, also, like, I, I hope I made it clear that you're not missing out if you're serving. Because the Lord never, ever... He, he's, he sees everything. He's always with you. It's funny that we actually think if we miss a Wednesday night when it's super normal natural or if we miss a session of a conference. There's been so many times that like when we've had someone prophetic come, they will hear from the Lord when they saw someone serving or in passing and they'll say, the guy named blah, 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 or he does this for a living, find him. And then someone will go find him in the back and bring him up for his word. You will never miss out if the Lord has something to tell you. You'll never miss out. And when you're back there, oh my gosh, I can't even remember. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times that the Lord would speak to me through a message that I was giving to the kids. And I remember when I was first coming in, I wasn't technically raised in church. I wanted to be at church and I rode the bus or I had my parents drop me off. And I learned the basic stories, some of the basic stories, but I learned the most about the Bible during those seasons of my life because I read children's Bibles to the kids, and I, re- I learned so many stories. So um, I say that just to say you don't have to have arrived and know everything to be able to give out. And this is the part that makes... Okay, I'm going to get through this. <clears throat> the main... The title of our message is to be found faithful, and my main motivation is to be found faithful. But when I, when I see the Lord face to face, and the Lord gives me a vision every time of seeing him, of getting to heaven, and him saying, you're faithful. And just feeling his love, and, and just his thankfulness, and just his joy in the fact that I was faithful. And it's not a measuring up thing. It's just that, like, think about your kids if you have them. I'm so happy when they make good choices. I'm so happy when they love well. So I think about the parable of the talents and how the the man that sowed his talents, he invested them. And whenever the master came back, he was able to say, Here's what I have. I've multiplied what you've given me because I invested it in something good. So I think about what are my talents? What are my giftings? And in, in, I'm not good at everything. There's a lot of things I'm not good at. I only show the things on social media that I am good at. So don't believe the highlight reel. I don't do a lot of things well, but I do some things well. I honestly feel like the Lord has given me a gift for children, for teaching children. That's what I got my degree in, and that's where my heart is, and it's a natural gifting for me. Like, I homeschool not because of fear and not because of any weird thing. I homeschool because it's a passion of mine, and my kids love it, and it's natural for me in this season. 
All that to say, the Lord gives each of us something that we're just naturally gifted at. You think that it's easy. There's so many times that I say, well, that's easy. Just do this, this, this. And they're like, how? In different areas like design or curriculum or teaching or whatever it is, um, animal stuff and all this stuff (laughs) or painting, it it just became natural. It was easy for me. It's not easy for everybody else. So there's something that's easy for you that the Lord graced you with that ability. And he's asking you to sow it, to invest it. So I'm always asking, where can I invest? Where can I invest? What talents, what abilities do I have to invest for the next generation, for it to make it count for eternity, not to invest for myself, my gain here on earth. We have to get past the gain here on earth. This is not our home. So if we're thinking about what, what talents and abilities we have that we can get a title for, or make more money for, or be known for, we've missed the point entirely. Our life is so short. So in Psalms 90, Moses talks about how a thousand days is like one day to the Lord. Our life is like a vapor. Like he talks about a, a blade of grass that's there one day and gone the next. Like your life is like a pebble on the road. Like it's like boom, done. If you haven't noticed how fast time has been going, I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like time is going by so fast. And this is not all about just giving to the church. This is about being present with your children. First is your family. First is loving your family and, and, and sowing into your children. But next is God's house. Like I said, you build his house, he builds yours. It is definitely a mandate from the Lord. So our life is super short. I like to always think about that. And I have experienced death closely, and I'm sure most of you have, somebody that you would have never, ever guessed dying. Has anybody had that happen? Where it's like they weren't sick, they, nothing was wrong, they might have been healthy, they had a, per, a great family, and then like that, they're gone. That's, that's a possibility for every single one of us. And I know it sounds like morbid or weird, but I often think about death, not in a fear way. But in a, like tomorrow could be it. And then I floundered all the days or I floundered, or I didn't value this day. I know that sounds really intense, but <laughs> I think Moses is talking in Psalms 90. He's, he's talking from his reality because when he tried to deal with these very, very, very um, just non-compliant Israelites, <clears throat> he worked really hard with them and they just kept focusing on themselves. They kept focusing on the immediacy of the next meal and the next drink and the next thing. They had no focus of their destination. They weren't living for their destination. They were only either thinking about the past or the current, but not the destination. If we live our lives never thinking about eternity and only about our comfortable lives here, then we're not ready when we see him face to face. And I know this sounds harsh, and David says I give everybody a spanking, and he's going to come up and fluff everything out. Don't worry. I am, he's really great. He's very pastoral. He, I, I need that. Please fix everything I don't do right, okay? Um, 
in this message only. <laughs> like you can fix only what I do wrong in this message. I know, I'm just saying if I did, everything's been good, totally biblical and not harsh, I don't think. Um, but I'm really not trying to give a spanking or like trying to like lecture. I'm just really speaking from my heart and these are the convictions of my heart. So I hope you hear that. And finally, in verse 12, um, Moses, his, his prayer is to, for the Lord to help or to teach us to number our days. I think they're going to put it on the screen. Is Psalms 90, verse 12. It says, teach us to number our days. I'm fine, guys. <laughs> Give me a minute. In real life, I don't cry, which is so insanely odd about the whole thing. I don't cry a lot. I'm not emotional. But the Lord picks certain messages that he chooses to, like, hover on me and make it really uncomfortable for me. So just bear with me. <laughs> um. This is apparently pretty big on his heart. Because it was all that I had to get here today. The weekend was horrible. And I always know if the weekend was bad and I wanted to cancel a million times, then it's what I'm supposed to say. It's what the Lord wants. So we're just going to push past anything that enemy would want. And we're going to do it. Okay. So they were consumed with their here and now. They were not at all thinking about the promised land. And the funny thing is they had already seen the hand of God move in a huge way. That's what's so bizarre about it. It's not like they had never heard the, they've never seen the Lord move and they didn't know his ability. They just were rescued from bondage and slavery. And he had already provided so many times. Like he, it's not like, he had never done a thing. Each day he provided, and yet they still only thought about their now and their needs. But in verse 12, it says, Moses prays, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The goal in life is to walk in his wisdom. The, the most wise we could be is to number our days, to value our days. Our every single moment is valuable. It's not, this is not a big campaign just for you to fill in the gaps of the church. We are a family. If you're part of this family, you have a role to play. If you're not in the game, you're not pulling your way in the family. And in my family at home, they don't get an option. We all have a job, especially if you have a farm. <laughs> there's, there's nobody that just sits back and they don't have any part in it. So I'm not saying that... Like if you're new to this church and you're still finding your healing and your brokenness and you're not ready, sure, have a season, get healed up. But if you're even close to ready, there's work to do. 
Like, there's so much work to do. The Lord, Jesus came to serve, and then he left, and we're supposed to continue on what he was doing. That's our job. That should be our priority, is to love people well and to give out what he's already given us. So I think about when I die, I told you I think about this a lot, not in a fearful way, just that I want to make this life count for eternity. I want to make every single day count for eternity. I think to myself, what investments, what, what do I invest the most time in? Is that thing that I spend the most time towards, working towards, investing in, is that thing going to have lasting effects? Is that thing going to count for eternity? Is that thing going to be something that when I go, generations behind me are, are affected by what I left? And if I think that it, it, it reprioritizes my life, I know a lot of times we say, oh, we're too busy to serve. But I'd ask you today to wonder, what are you so busy with that's more important than the call of God for your life? Like, are we, it says, in, Jesus says, are, you're not supposed to store up treasures on earth where it'll just rot away. You don't take it to heaven. It says, store up treasures in heaven. Our goal is constantly up. Heaven, not here, not the best house, not the, the best everything, not the best job or title or whatever it is. Our job is to be giving towards our future and eternity and to be found faithful. So I really encourage you to think about your priorities. If you are too busy, then something is out of line in your life. I know that's a bold statement, but I have often been too busy being consumed with jobs or work or things at home that, that there's no time. It feels like the, the first thing that drops is serving in the house of God. And it should be the last thing that drops. So this side of heaven, the only investments worth any significance for eternity are people. So any way that you could bring glory to the Lord and, and love on people, that's all that will count when it's over and done. If we just keep our hearts people-oriented, we're not too busy to stop and pray. We're not too busy to serve in any department in the house and build this house. We're building this house. And so I think about, you know, David mentioned in the last service how we're kind of at, we kind of went in this little pause with, we're not really pushing the build out. We're not really pushing like a, you haven't heard us talk about a campaign about raising money. We never, ever talk about serving. If you've been here, you can raise your hand and say, yes, they do not, that we are not the church that gets up here and pushes serving ever. But sometimes it is, like he said, a reset. There are times where we really have to reevaluate and say, are we consuming or are we giving? Like, we're not here. Our job isn't here. Our job left that the Lord left us with is not to sit and receive and consume. It is to serve and give, to sow and reap. It's all truth. And... Um, I think oftentimes we think about how we want to do ministry outside the, those doors and we want to do outreach and we want to do these mission trips abroad and we want to do so many good things that we can post a lot of pictures about. 
But we don't have any teachers for the kids that come from broken families that are, that are hurt and broken and, and acting out back there and dropping the F-bomb and all the things. Because, you know, that's not so fun and there's not an instant reward. But if your mind's on eternity, oh man, does the Lord see that? He sees that more than anything you could ever do. The hidden is what he sees and he rewards in the public. So, all. all right. Well, I love my wife. I married you for a purpose, and that was a big part of it because she really brings a balance to my life. And uh, I wouldn't have changed anything about what you said. And I want you to know that. I understand that this church has such a mandate and a call from God to continue the work that Jesus left behind to do. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he left the earth incomplete. And he left a job for us to do. And God wants us to do our job, but he wants us to do it with the right heart. He wants us to do it with the right intention. And my wife has the right heart and the right intention. And you know, we are opposite, but we're opposite in a good way. And what we've learned to do is work together with our opposites to become strengths. And we want to help you do the same. And so I want to remind you guys that one of the reasons why we don't hit beat the drum of serving so hard here is because my heartbeat is that when you are filled with the spirit and you have the heartbeat of Christ inside of you, your desire should be to give away what he has put inside of you. But we also have to have these times where we're reminded of why we do what we do and what the reason and the purpose behind it is. And so I wanna continue on with what you shared about and give you just a couple things and then we're both gonna pray for you together. The first thing is that, you know, when Jesus ascended, he left a garden that needed to be tended. That's what we are, is we're gardeners. We cultivate what God has already given to us. Think of a vineyard without guide wires. All of the grapes would just sit on the ground and rot and be destroyed by pests and never be able to grow into beautiful clusters. So God's looking for guide wires. God's looking not for rules and policies and man-made religion, but rather people that can help other people grow strong and mighty and become fruitful. You know, we have a lot of elders and great leaders here. They're really like orthodontists. They cause the teeth to grow straight. And so what happens is, is in a healthy, vibrant family, there's gotta be healthy measurement. There's gotta be relationship. And it's gotta be about giving away what God's given to you to invest into them for what they're called to become. Every one of you has a promise from God. Hannah, you have a mighty promise from God. I see it inside of you. I know the enemy works overtime to keep you back, but I also know where you're going and what God's put inside of you. I look at Danielle and Leroy, and I see the promises of God inside of the both of you to love and care and train and equip and give with tender passion and care and concern. I don't see you for your failures and mistakes and all this junk you're going through. All of us have junk we're going through, right? All of us are a work in progress. So I don't see you for tattoos and grills and drugs and porn and your past. I know that stuff's there. But what God's really gonna 
require of us is what did we do with the faithful gifts and promises and talents he put inside of us? See, we think that when we get to heaven, God's gonna have a rap sheet of all your sins. You got a misguided understanding of the gospel. The blood of Jesus is already shed. When you give your life to Jesus, he washes away your past and forgives you and blots out your transgressions. And there are many Christians that are living their lives with this mindset that, man, I'm, if I'm screwing up, I'm gonna go to hell. That's a demonic, deceptive belief system once you've given your life to Jesus. Because once you give your life to Jesus, he begins to work on you on the inside. And now he begins to cleanse you and break condemnation out of your life. Think about Romans 8.1. It's there's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Here's my question. Are you in Christ Jesus? Are you? Are you in Christ Jesus? Yes, you are. I know you are. Hence, there's no condemnation. But we live in condemnation. We allow shame and the fear, all our failures to define us. The great news of the gospel is that he breaks the spirit of condemnation, which came from the law of sin and death. The problem is, is we don't know who we are. We don't know what God has said about us. We don't have an accurate understanding of how God feels about us. That's why when people, I have people coming to me all the time and they say, when I'm in this church, I feel so close to God. I feel his presence. I feel safe. I feel secure. But when I leave, it goes away. And that's because of a poor understanding of how much the Lord really feels about you. I remind you about it here, but when you leave, the lies of the enemy are always there to rob, steal, kill, and destroy and try to get you back into condemnation and shame. Condemnation and shame always makes you feel like you have to earn it and work for it. And that you're never good enough. And I'm always a failure. And if you ever feel that way, so that's why we preach the gospel real hard here. The good news of who you are and what he says about you and how he feels about you. But you also have to understand that God does something in you so that you can give it away to somebody else. You hear us say this all the time. First, he does it in you. Then he does it through you. So at some point, there has to be a through you experience. But until you get the in you, it's hard for you to give it. So we hit the in you's really hard here, right? We, we, we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We prophesy. We want you to have encounters. We want you to pray in the Spirit. We want you to have extravagant worship. I, hit, I hammer how important it is that you're in the Word. All of those things are so important so that you can be fruitful. You gotta be fruitful. What does it mean to be fruitful? It means I always have something to give to you, Trey. Always, at any time. It means if you two need something right now and you need something and you come up to talk to me after, I have fruit to give to you. Fruitful means that I'm in a position where I'm planted, I'm strong, I've been healed. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it means that I now have something to give away to you when you need it. And you know how often you should be fruitful? All the time. Think of the trees of life on the river of God in, in the book of Revelation. They bear fruit for the nations, healing for the nations every 30 days. It's replenishing. It's like the African proverb, each one teach one. So I get you healthy and strong and mighty and flamed on for the Lord, but now you gotta give it away to the next person that's behind you because there's generations that are coming up behind us. 
This isn't about building bigger churches. This is about building people's lives, like my wife said. Somebody built into my life. Somebody discipled me. Somebody mentored me. Somebody took the time to invest into me. And so now, as we get healthy and strong, we give that back to, to other people. But it, it's never gonna work if we don't have our priorities right in how we see the Lord and how we love the Lord and how he sees you. So yeah, I hit that a lot. But I have to have people like Pastor Marlene and my wife and others that come in and say, listen, we gotta have people that step up to the plate. We gotta have people that are giving away what's put inside of them so that nobody gets fried out and burned out. So let me give you a couple great scriptures. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. I'll show you first the most important thing. The most important thing is whether we live or die, we make it our life's passion or our aim or our driving passion to live our lives first pleasing to the Lord. That's first. Who are you as a son and a daughter? Who are you in your identity? Your value is not based on what you do, but rather who you are. So we have a, a very common statement that we say here all the time. Let's say it together. Say, I'm not what I do. I do what I am. So the question is, who are you? You're first a son and a daughter. That's who you are first. You are first loved and valued and cherished because of how God sees you. You're first equipped and trained because he cares for you and puts something inside of you. Now your value is not based on what you do because what happens if the position's taken away? Get your feelings hurt. Yeah. We have a lot of people that come with church hurts to this church because they were valued based on what they did. And then when the position got taken away or you weren't doing that anymore, you felt aimless and you didn't know who you were and what you were doing. People come to this church all the time with like ministry rap sheets. They've led huge youth ministries all over the country, six, 700 people at camps. They're ordained ministers and they have licensures and they've done prison ministries and they've done all kinds of great things from the Lord. And they come here and they say, pastor, let me show you what I've done because I want to serve here. And I say, why don't you have a seat for 90 days? Let's get to know one another. So I don't just fill positions. I don't promote positions. We promote people. And most people don't know who they are in their identity. If you serve without a healthy understanding of who you are as a son and daughter, you will find your value in what you do. And that breaks people's hearts. That hurts people, messes people up in the church. But once you grow, begin to grow in your knowledge of who you are in Christ, then you begin to give away what God's put inside of you. And there's no formula for it. There's not a formula. It's not like every single person has to wait X amount of time. God could speak to me about somebody and say, okay, it's time for you to jump into this position. So we're not formalizing people, but we're building relationships to get to know you. And so the first and most important thing is that we make our lives to please him. How do we please the Lord? That should be our question. It's not just how well I serve God. I please God by being in intimate relationship with him. I please God by truly trusting him and following him and learning to be a son and walking in that commune, constant communion with him. That pleases the heart of the Lord. To please God's heart means that I hear his voice and it means I know who I am as a son. And I trust him as a good father. And if you don't know that today, I would, we would love nothing more than to pray that prayer into your heart and for you to step into that process. Because when you don't know that understanding, all kinds of crazy things happen in your life. 
shame, condemnation, fear, worry, doubt. It's an orphan spirit. But once you get that understanding, you gotta give it away. You gotta give it away. Because we reach people that don't know what it means to be sons, daughters. We reach hard, difficult people that don't have fathers and are hooked on drugs and gangs, people with tats and grills and people come to me all the time saying, man, I, I gotta give up my meth addiction. People are gonna come out of the bars and the clubs and the dancers and the pimps and the drug addicts and the prostitutes. And when they walk in this house and they see you, what do they see? What will they get? You gotta think about that. And so my heart and my desire is to get you fruitful and healthy and strong, but to see the vision. First, we live our lives pleasing to the Lord. But then, watch this. Look at verse 10. One day we will all be openly revealed before Christ on his throne so that each of us will be duly recompensed for our actions done in this life, whether good or worthless. So our actions of what we do, not it's, this isn't sin or not sin. That's a blood of Jesus and cross issue. This is faithful with the gifts and talents inside of you. That's why the enemy always works so hard to get you in shame and condemnation. Because then you feel I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm worthless. Hence, I can never give away what God's put inside of me. And then you become consumer Christians. Me, 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 me. And God doesn't want consumer Christians. He doesn't want an audience. He wants an army. And you are a mighty warrior in the kingdom. I see it inside of you. You're a mighty mother in the kingdom. You have so much to give inside of you and promise and legacy and hope. I see the promises of God. You're not an idle church pew person. I see it in your eyes. I see it in your family. I see it in the promises of God inside of you. And I affirm that on Wednesday on Supernormal Natural Nights. But what I want you to really see and understand is that God has given us something that we are to be faithful with. When you think about Matthew 25 in the parable of the talents, it says that he delivered his goods to his servants. Let's all say this with an attitude. You ready? Say, I got the goods. goods. You got the goods, man. You got so much promise inside of you. Do you know that the gifts that God's put inside of you can never be taken away? But we sure believe it, don't we? I'm a failure. I screwed up. I blew that marriage. I looked at that site. I did what I shouldn't have done. I hooked up with this person. Man, it's all lost. No. In fact, the Bible says that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Otherwise, God would be schizophrenic. He loves you. He loves me not. And this is how we live. I'm hot. I'm cold. I'm in. I'm out. And we're like rubber bands. No, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You're in process. Keep coming. Keep showing up. Keep surrendering. Run to the cross. Get in the blood. But then begin to be faithful with what God has put inside of you. It's reproductive power. If you're not reproducing what's inside of you, you'll reproduce it somewhere else. That's why porn is such a big, big issue today with men because the devil has stolen the desire for reproductive power inside of us. And instead of being passionate to reproduce sons and daughters, we're fulfilling the desires of our flesh through other things. Once you step into your call, bro, and you start actually giving and serving and and empowering and praying and teaching people, you are gonna really, really flame on. 
on another level. But like my wife said, the enemy gets us preoccupied, preoccupied with the busyness of life. Look, we're all busy. But what are we busy doing? And for me, I'm busy building a house. We're building a home. This is a home for your kids, for your grandchildren, for your family. This doesn't have to be the most popular message. We need firm talk like what my wife said today. We need that because this isn't to be the latest, greatest, hottest, coolest. This is designed to build a house, right? Okay, so God is gonna actually reward us or recompense us with what we have been faithful with. Now I don't have time to teach you the fact that there's different rewards in heaven, but there are. There's people that are gonna make it, but they're gonna barely make it. And then there's people that are gonna make it that have been so faithful, and I don't understand it all, but I can show it to you doctrinally where it says that God will reward us even more for what we've done. The problem is, is that people get their eyes on the reward and they're more focused on what am I gonna get back? But if you make yourself of no reputation and lay your life down and give the talents and gifts that God's given you and invest them, the satisfaction and the joy that comes just from doing that is even better than what's to come. At least I think, we'll see what's to come, right? Psalm 139, verse 16. Do you know that God has written a book about your life? Did you know that? God has written a book about your life. When I stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he opens that book, I wanna see, I want my life to match up with what he wrote about me. I think about that a lot. Hence, numbering your days and having a heart of wisdom. But God has this book that he wrote about your life. Here's the problem with predestination. Predestination is, it produces a fatality mindset. It means that I, there's nothing I can do about it. God's already determined. And hence, there's nothing I can do about it. It's fatalism. A better word instead of predestination is predetermination. God predetermined a design for my life, but when I screw it up, I get another chance. I get lots of chances. That's the beauty of it. If it's all predestined, then it can be fatalistic. There's nothing I can do. We don't pray, we don't give, we don't serve because God's already determined what's gonna be or destined what it's gonna be. But if God has predetermined plans for my life, I wanna match up with those plans. Let me show it to you here in Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. This is why prophecy is so important. Prophecy is the page of your book for today. That's why we're a prophetic church. That's why when I look at you all, I see you with prophetic insight and eyesight. And I'm not looking at you with what can you give back to me and what are you gonna do? I look at you from the eyes of the Lord and what he wants to do in your life. Because if I can equip you, you will in turn equip others. That's the way it should work. And there's no selfish gain in it. There's no selfish ambition. That's why Amber mentioned the, Lord, the Lord's basically put a pause on the new sanctuary for right now. I don't know when that will resurrect, but right now you haven't heard us talk about it. We're not raising money for it. 
Because right now God's saying, look, I wanna fortify what you have here before the more comes. And also if we build this new sanctuary with the wrong intention and it's about us, it'll kill us. Because I don't want institutionalized church. I can't speak for every other church, but I can speak for this family. I want us to be the kingdom of God and do it right. And if you do the kingdom of God right, it automatically will grow. I'd rather have long, steady, slow growth with, a mighty, with mighty deep roots yes, yes. that are immovable than a fast overnight growth that kills us, right? And so you've got to see that God has written in his book the days fashioned for us. God has delivered you the goods so that you can reinvest into them. And it's more than just money and careers and kids and families. Those things are important, but it's also about taking the gift set and the skill set that's inside of you and giving it away to somebody else, right? If I didn't do that, we wouldn't have this church today. So prophecy highlights the page for your, for your today. God always gives us a saving grace and a serving grace. He gives you the grace to live for him and to constantly be transformed in the process of what he's designed you to be. But he also gives you the grace to give away what he's put inside of you and to honor and to serve others. If you have talent and giftings inside of you, but you don't have the Holy Spirit ruling and leading in your life, you're gonna burn up. And a lot of people have been burned out in ministry because of a lack of the Holy Spirit a lack of the wind of the spirit, a lack of the voice of God. So I don't want any of you to burn up. I want all of you to be filled. But then I want you to give that away to somebody else. God doesn't give us rewards for our position, but rather he gives us grace for the position. Remember that. God will give you grace to do what you're called to do. If you're a full-time Christian, you're in full-time ministry. The problem is we've got the definition of ministry jacked up. We found ministry, we define ministry as notoriety and recognition and look at me and what I can do. Or we desire to become known and bigger and better. You know that that's not my heart and the heart of this church. Real ministry means to serve one another. Real ministry means to lay our lives down for one another. It's actually the word is diakonos in the Greek. It's where we get the word deacon. So you know, all of our team leaders here are actually deacons. And they function as boots on the ground, shock absorbers in a semi-truck. I mean, think about it within driving on roads in Corpus Christi. It's like they are the boots on the ground training and equipping and discipling. And so if you're in full-time, if you're a full-time Christian, you're in full-time ministry, which means you live your lives to give away what God's put inside of you. You can do it. I believe in you. And we'll keep investing into you to help you to do that. But as Amber said, and I'll leave you with this, you have to see the end to be motivated for the now. If eternity is not in your heart, you will not have the proper drive to do what God's called you to do on earth. Let's say this together. Say, Lord, put eternity in my heart. Life is like that. And I'm a little different than Amber. I don't actually really ever think about dying. No consequences, no. no consequences, none of that. That's right. But I do know that time's flying by. And I do say, look, if I did die tomorrow, 
carry the legacy. Take what you've been taught and continue the vision forward. Don't let this be about me. This is decentralized leadership. This isn't the David Bendett show. People say to me all the time, pastor, I need to meet with you, but they won't meet with somebody else. They won't meet with my other leaders and I'll still meet with people, but you got to get into relationship and build unity so that the promise can go forward for our kids and our grandkids and our children's children. Eternity has to be in our heart. We're all gonna appear and have an appointment before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the ministry grace or the serving grace that God has given us. God put eternity in our hearts and let us be found faithful. It's why we do what we do. It's why we teach the way that we teach. It's why we pray the way that we pray. And it's ultimately how I got to this spot was making the decision a long time ago, just like my wife did, to sacrifice the time and the talents and the gifts that God's given. This church is growing. We run about 100 high school kids on a, or 100 total children on a Sunday morning. There's a lot more coming. You guys know I minister to outlaw bikers. I'm, I'm the president of the Tribe of Judah Motorcycle Ministry. I don't ride my Harley to be cool, though I like it, but I'm not flying my colors to be seen. We minister to people some of you will never ever minister or ever talk to. But if they show up in this church, what are they gonna see? And if their kids that are six, seven, and eight years old go into the kids' ministry and they got foul mouths, potty mouths, how are we gonna respond? And we should respond with love, beauty, wonder, desire to see their lives transformed the same way that your life was transformed. All right? So I love you guys a whole lot. I, I know it was a lot today to talk about that, but I want you to, here's, here's the next few things I want you to do. I want you to ask the Lord, God, where, what do I have in me to give away? And if you're not sure, get into relationship with somebody that can help identify that. We have nine elders. We have a ton of uh, great team leaders. They've all got stations set up in the lobby today. We have our new membership class today. So if you're not a member and you'd like to learn more about the vision of the church, we're serving lunch right after this service. You're welcome to come to that. But I want you to get into relationship. Remember, God teaches us through discovery. We discover who we are. We discover what we're good at. And we wanna help you discover that. All right? So Amber and I are gonna pray for you. And if you are, if you've just been feeling like, you don't know who you are and you don't know where you fit and you don't know how to give, but you want to, we wanna pray for you, all right? If you've been feeling disoriented and you've been feeling like you're not really sure who you are, we're gonna pray for you for that. And my prayer is that you know who you are as sons and daughters, know the beauty of the cross and what Jesus did in your life and that you would never fall into shame and condemnation but rather lift your head up and put a smile on your face and get fired up because Jesus loves you right where you're at. And that gets me fired up every day. So let's pray. Do you want to stand or no? Yeah, why don't we all stand? <clears throat> Lord, thank you for your presence that we've felt so tangibly this morning. Thank you for moving on our hearts and that we will not be the same, Lord. Thank you for reminding us to number our days and the value of our life 
in the shortness of our life. Thank you for the reminder. Let us not waste another moment. Let us not waste another day. Reveal to us the work you have for us. Yes, Lord. Put in our hearts desire to love people, to serve, to be a servant as you were. Change our hearts, our priorities. Cleanse our hearts. Make us ready. Make us fruitful trees, always having something to offer to those in need. Amen. And Father, I thank you so much for your love and your care for every single one of us and the way that we have found healing in this house, in our marriages, in our hearts, with the struggles and addictions. And now, Lord, I pray you would help us to help others. Lord, I thank you, God, for your spirit that dwells inside of us to empower, equip, and train and help believers to become mature in the fullness of you. Thank you for unity in the body of Christ. And thank you so much, Lord, for everyone that has come today. And I pray that you would speak to them about the gift set and the call that's inside of them. And help us, Lord, to develop that in them and work together as a family out of relationship. May our lives be fully pleasing to you. And then may we also be faithful with what you've given us. Thank you that you do have a great reward for us. Whatever that looks like, Lord, we're thankful for it. We don't do it for that. We do it because we love you and we love your people. But I thank you, God, that you always take care of us. And I pray for everyone here that has been hurting or struggling or going through a difficult time, whether that's addiction or struggling with depression or anxiety, I pray peace and health and strength into your life. I pray that you'd hear the voice of the Lord and you'd be comforted by the heart of the Father. And I thank you so much, Lord, for what you've done here and what you're doing and where we're going. And thank you that we're all rowing together as one family, as one body into the purposes and plans you've established for eternity. We love you. We thank you. Thank you, God, for our lunch today. And thank you, God, for uh, healing our hearts and bringing us together as one. And I bless you all mightily. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.